Have you ever wondered what unicorns eat for breakfast? Or maybe what they use to keep their skin looking so flawless? Well, even if I don't know these answers, I can tell you something equally as interesting and unicorn related. Over 20% of all unicorn startups are using HubSpot, and for good reason. HubSpot's all-in-one platform levels up your sales, software, and support so you can grow beyond your wildest dreams, boosting leads and ramping sales along the way. They even have a constantly evolving collection of resources to help startups scale. Plus, with the HubSpot for Startups program, you can save up to 90% off your first year. I'll admit it does sound a little too good to be true. But unlike that majestic and also incredibly fictitious unicorn, HubSpot for startups is all real. To see if you're eligible to save on HubSpot and take your growth to new heights, visit HubSpot.com startups. Good morning, everyone. It's Wednesday, January 31st. I'm John Weigel, keeping it zesty with Ben Berkeley, and this is The Hustle Daily Show. Today's big story takes place on a little screen. The soap opera industry has found it hard to combat the public's dwindling attention span, so apps like Real Short started producing TikTok-style 60-second soap operas. Is this a lasting short-form video business formula, or will it be another drop in the bucket alongside Quibi? We'll get into that and much more, but first, let's give you the hits and headlines today across business and tech. Kicking us off here, Elon Musk's brain science startup Neuralink implanted its device into a human for the first time, and then it teased more details on its first product. It's called telepathy, and it'll enable people to control almost any device just by thinking. Uh, Ben, your thoughts on this telepathy? Uh, My main thoughts are, God, I hope whoever got this first implant is being paid so well. That's scary. We're going to see this unfold over a long time. I really hope it's a good and interesting story that improves our relationship with technology. I think theoretically you can connect your brain to a phone or a computer and then kind of like whatever that phone or computer can do, you can then do with your brain is basically what we're talking about here. There's going to be some rough rides, I think, in between getting to that point. Definitely. But okay, here we go. We are now officially on this ride. Yeah. And kudos to the test subject. Hoped they're getting paid quite a handsome amount. Or if this is something that they just wanted to do, I hope it works out for them. Yeah. They have a chance to show up in history books, I suppose. Who knows where this is going to go. But thinking of them and their recovery after this implantation. (laughs) Yes, indeed. Next up, Zoom will be among the apps launching with Apple's Vision Pro headset on Friday. Users will appear in Zoom meetings as avatars with mirrored facial expressions and hand movements. That is not at all creepy. Next up, Japan's Ministry of Economy, Trade, and Industry will stop making businesses submit information via floppy disk, a format Sony stopped making in 2011 as part of a modernization effort. Ben, what are your thoughts on Japan finally moving away from the floppy disk? I mean, I really hope that now they just have to do it on burned CDs. Just like kind of yeah. keep evolving technology, but very just slowly. Keep towards it. Yeah, yeah. Maybe by 2035, we'll have thumb drives and, you know, yeah. it'll, it'll just progress from there. Yeah. What's the fun in modernizing all at once? What's the rush? What's the rush? But yeah, I guess good move. Floppy disks, if we're playing buy or sell on whether those are going to be a big part of the future, I don't think I'm buying floppy disk as the wave of the future. 
Yeah, I don't think so. I, I actually watched this YouTube video recently that was on uh, Economics Explained, and I actually pulled a quote from it. Japan has been living in the year 2000 since the 1970s. <laughs> and with their boom in the 80s, it's like my favorite quote to describe the economy and modernization of modern day Japan. It's truly fascinating to see where they're going to go in the next 10 to 20 years, considering the technology has kind of slowed down a little bit. Yeah, this is the one thing that's been holding them back. So let's see what happens now. <laughs> the only thing. Yeah, let's see. Okay, moving to another country, Norway is absolutely loaded. The nation's sovereign wealth fund made its biggest ever profit, which is $213 billion in 2023, and it's credited largely to its tech stock holdings. And finally, Jeffrey's Toys in San Francisco, the shop that provided inspiration for Pixar's Toy Story, is closing after over 85 years, citing rising rent, inflation, and crime, and a decline in consumer spending. Now, Ben, I know you and I talked a bunch recently about the model train industry and how that's kind of at the end of its rope. What do you make of this toy shop closing? One of many, I'm sure. You know, I feel like it would seem like this would be just like a this is not the times to have a actual in-person toy store. Mm. It seems like it's less story of that in the way that Model Trains was really that. It was just like the times caught up to this thing and it wasn't ready for this. This was just kind of a sadder tale in the end. I think as the owner actually said directly, you know, we want to stay in business. We just need the city to support us, essentially. They were paying $20,000 per month in rent. I think one of their employees was stabbed or there was an attempted at stabbing. Oh. I think they said directly, you know, we're putting our money in, we're putting our hard work in, we're putting our love into it, but the relationship with the city is not being returned, essentially, mm -hmm. where unfortunately is a modern story, but just the really dark underbelly that I think a lot of retail operations, especially kind of longstanding ones are facing right now. Yeah, hugely unfortunate. I mean, coupled with also a lot of news that the toy industry is in decline in terms of sales, but also to be in a community where you're kind of not appreciated as something like this that's been around for 85 years must be tough. I've actually been seeing a lot of businesses that have been around for 100 plus years start to close their doors. And it could be things like rent and things like being driven out of their own communities. That could be the reason. Our main story is all about drama. Drama on the small screen, that is. Soap operas haven't been so popular with younger generations, but apps like Real Short are looking to fix that with good old-fashioned TikTok-style 60-second short-form TV shows. Ben, what's Real Short actually doing here and apps like that? So what Real Short is trying to do is really try to lead this new modernized era of soap operas. Let's start with the old school soaps, which... By the way, we're always a pleasure during summer days at home as a kid, oh. guiding light fans out there. I see you. <laughs> I'm with you. Maybe not so far as knowing any characters' names or storylines, but still, yeah. fun times. No disrespect to these old shows. They are caught in an old model. I think the core dramatic elements, it's a great genre, mm -hmm. keeps people coming back. But we're looking at network TV, appointment viewing, full-length episodes. They're relatively more expensive to make than web content, that's for sure. Sure. So what Real Short here is doing, this is a company that has put dozens of shows out that contain minute-long episodes, or they're about a couple minutes, maybe here and there. They put out multiple long runs of these shows, 
And really, they have basically soap operas, but for the modern era where it's just like short attention spans, Mm -hmm. really easy to get into. If you like it, you kind of get a free taste of them. And if you want to keep going, you'll pay for it as you go. They just have a good model here and it caught on really, really strong in Asian countries during the pandemic. And now they're trying to translate that success into the U.S. And as somebody like yourself that's actually tested it out and watched a few things, do you have any personal opinions on the kind of content that they're putting out there? You know, okay, I will so gladly take this bait. (laughs) The most popular show today is called Married at First Sight, Mm -hmm. and it is exquisite. If you are into drama, you meet a woman who's demanding 25K from her ex, and this is after she was working three jobs And I believe the quote was selling her blood to keep him in school. She like almost fainted. That's how we found out this was the case. His new girlfriend is mean. The main character ends up throwing coffee in her face and says, you should be grateful I got an iced coffee today with other colorful language at the end. Girlfriend marched off saying, this is far from over. Just like classic soap opera stuff. And this was like three minutes in. Oh. I got three minutes into this whole series. And there are, I believe, currently 89 episodes available wow. of this show. Fascinating. So here's the thing with this is these are pretty cheap to make. And yeah, it feels sure. more like in the like lifetime movie vein of these aren't Hollywood level productions necessarily, but they still get the job done. A small crew, a lot of young film school grads, it feels like. Each of these shows costs about, I think they said about 300K to make. Wow. I mean, that makes a lot of sense that the episode count is up near about 89 to 100 episodes. Because if you're going to have minute long episodes, I'm wondering at what point does it feel more like different scenes instead of episodes? Like each episode is just a segmented scene of something that could already exist, but maybe it's packaged in a way that makes it a little more coherent episode to episode to episode. Yeah, just in like a very quick dalliance with this, it feels like they know what they're doing. And I mean, I guess if we're really looking at this overall, like super short form content is the way of the world now. And the fact that we're already minutes into this podcast means that most of our audience's minds are, they're gone. They've been (laughs) gone for minutes and we're just talking for ourselves at this point. And that's okay, because that's our job. (laughs) Um, But I think that this hasn't always translated well to business. Making short form video, marketing it, and building a successful long form business detached from social media hasn't gone so great. This obviously calls to mind the funniest business disaster in recent memory, which is Quibi. Quibi was a short form video hub that just tanked. And so you kind of look at something like this, you're like, how is this going to not go down that road? I think they have a pretty good path to not being Quibi. Mm Mm-hmm. What do they do differently? Because I think the big barrier for short form video companies like this that are outside of social media, in my mind, is that when you want to put in advertisers, there's no space for advertisers. Or if you put in an ad, that's half the video probably. But then if you do a subscription service, I don't know who's going to subscribe to watch a minute of content. So it's things like this that kind of come up. And I feel like those were a lot of the reasons for the downfall of Quibi. But what is Real Short doing differently? So I think one thing they're doing well is they recognize that in this world, doing something niche wins. They're not trying to serve everyone everything. I think, you know, 
Quibi was trying to be this destination where these are the shows mm-hmm. that everyone's talking about. You got to come see them and you can only see them here. This is aiming for a very specific subset of people who would be into the show I just described, which is ultimately probably not me, but they know that and they're not going to target me. But I think to that end, distribution-wise, they're meeting people where they are. Mm-hmm. They serve up a few free episodes to hook people on platforms that they're already on. Oh, that's good. Like YouTube and TikTok. And then they pull you into the real short environment where they get you to, if you want to keep watching, you got to pay up or you know potentially watch ads or they can monetize people from there. But you can get people elsewhere You know, for a lot of other platforms. Quibi, if you didn't get people to download Quibi, Quibi was making nothing. It had no momentum. It was over. But they can potentially gather momentum outside of their environment, get people in, and then really monetize this. And also, they're just not spending wildly. Mm-hmm. You know, they're planning for about a hundred series to come out this year. Oh. So you can imagine that this gets to scale. You're going to see a pretty successful business. Yeah, I mean, I think that's fascinating that they started putting things on other platforms, like a TikTok, for example, that you just cycle through. Because the thing with these on-demand video platforms versus a TikTok and why people spend so much time there is because these things are automatically served to them. They don't have to go looking for them and press them on demand or anything. So them taking that marketing tactic is very fascinating. And I think this may actually turn out quite well since they're not exactly going for, as you mentioned, the wide cast net of like a short form version of Netflix. I'm excited to see where this lands and if it lands on my app homepage. It is already working. Last year, they got 7 million people to download real short in the US. Worldwide downloads, I think were around 24 million. And they made about $22 million last year. It seems to be off to a good start and look forward to seeing what happens both for this platform and in Married at First Sight. And there you go. Small soap operas for all. All right, that'll do it for us today. Thanks for tuning into The Hustle Daily Show. We're a proud part of the HubSpot Podcast Network. Our editor today is Robert Hartwig, and our executive producer is Darren Clark. We've got a lot more tech and business coverage on our newsletter. If you're not subscribed, go get yourself signed up at thehustle.co slash email, and we will see you tomorrow. Hey, everybody, let me tell you about this great podcast that's available right now. Creator Science, hosted by Jay Klaus, is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, which is the audio destination for business professionals. Creator Science goes behind the scenes with today's top creators. Through narrative interviews, Jay Klaus explores how creators like Tim Urban, James Clear, Tori Dunlap, and Cody Sanchez are building their audiences today. And by learning how these creators make a living with their art and creativity, Creator Science can help you gain tools and confidence to do exactly the same. I was actually listening to an episode recently where Jay had on Dr. K, who is a Harvard psychiatrist. And Dr. K helps a lot of creators with performance, burnout, and dealing with a lot of negative feedback online. It's a great hour of conversation with Dr. K, where Dr. K really breaks down what it means to be a creator today and the burnout that a lot of creators do experience and what to do when you get that burnout, because you will. And you can listen to Creator Science wherever you get your podcasts, and I definitely suggest it. Listen to Creator Science wherever you get your podcasts.